Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and, more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now, here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men have vulnerable conversations about the fatherhood journey. Now, sometimes the conversations are heavy, sometimes they're light. It changes from guest to guest. I never know until we start the show. And start the show we shall. As you see in the split screen, if you're watching on YouTube, I have a fabulous guest because I only have fabulous guests on the show. We have Mr. Chris Williams in the in the virtual building. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast, my brother. How are you? Man, listen, I am happy to be here. Uh, man, I just appreciate being able to be on the show and, uh, man, have some good conversation. And hopefully this will be of value to yeah. the person that's actually listening here in the near future. So I'm ready. So I, I've heard your content, so no pressure on me at all. I know you are going to deliver. And if you don't deliver, we'll just send them to your content anyway and they'll get everything <laughs> they need. Uh, so let's let's talk about you, man. The world according to Chris. We were brought together through the podcast space. I want to give you the floor first. Tell the, uh, tell the audience what your podcast is about, what your message is, uh, and then we'll start pulling the threads. Yeah, man. So uh, Chris Williams, the world according to Chris podcast, uh, we help uh, corporate professionals who are busy start and build successful side businesses. So mm. I did it myself, uh, built a successful side business and now multiple businesses. Uh, my first side business I built to over $100,000 the first year. And mm. I mean, we've continued to build and then I started teaching other people how to be able to do the same thing. And so then I pivoted now going on four years of my podcast we're running up on episode 100 which is about to be dope wow uh, but we are um man i just got a heart to really be able to see people start especially men you know mm. stop with the financial stress that we live on mm. day in and day out and so anytime there's a brother that's like hey i you know i ain't never jumped off the porch you know i'm happy yeah. with you know my safe space in my job but i'm open I'm willing to help them because, man, I think men show up differently when we have less financial stress. Let's talk about that because you brought it up. Nothing in the world is happy for me. And it's, I'm working on it when the money's not right. I know it yes, shouldn't sir. be like that. That shouldn't be the source of joy or happiness. But for me, I make the worst decision. I like almost make infinitely worse decisions when my money isn't right. Mm -hmm. Did you start the side hustle journey because of a specific situation or you just had the foresight to to, to build before you need it? Man, I wish I had foresight. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have foresight. Um, actually, my first uh, true side hustle. And when, and when I say that, I mean, like it actually was making money. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I, I, so that's why we talk about a side business. But, because some people yeah. are doing a lot of hobbies. Yeah you ain't really running a business. Let me right? let me retract that because I, I have, <laughs> and I wanna, there's another conversation I wanna have with you about hustling, because I got a very specific opinion about it. Absolutely. Like it shouldn't be for a long time, but my fault. Side yeah. business, I wanna respect your craft. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. Yeah, so, you know, when I, I did a lot of things, like I love cars, I love, you know, all types of things, right? And I, I used to dibble and dabble, 
But what happened is, let's just be real. The corporate money got good. I call it the golden handcuffs, right? They pay mm. you enough just to not leave. Mm. But they will suck every ounce of energy and everything out of you. And unfortunately, I just got caught up in it. And there's yeah. a lot. And I won't say caught up in it because the truth of the matter is I'm not dissuading anybody from holding down a great job and climbing the corporate ladder. I did it. All right? right. I worked many years in corporate learning and development, climbed that ladder. I've done the game. Right. And right. I understand the game. The thing that I try to teach people is learn how to leverage your corporate job instead of it's always control or leveraging you. Right. Mm. So I teach a lot of that stuff. But I started my side business and really it came out of necessity. Okay. Um, 2016, I almost had a, as I almost died from an asthma attack in my sleep. Wow. And so it was a, it was a wake up call to my health that really, to be honest with you, that had happened several times before. It's just that that one moment, and this is most men. Thankfully I had a woman in my life who was like, Man, we got to get this together. Cause you always, can't die early. Always right? the woman coming through. All, always in the clutch, holding <laughs> it. Right. And so um, I ended up being able to uh, talk with some friends of mine about uh, really focusing on my health and wellness. Well, long story short, I've lost 65 pounds. I've gotten mm. the best shape of my life. I've reduced all of my asthma triggers. And then it was like, my wife was like, hey, we need to actually start educating people because you, you've done something a lot of people wouldn't know to do sure. and been able to really help people. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, how can we do this? Well, we ended up with a great partnership, building a community. And then all of a sudden it was just like, yo, I can actually do this. Yeah. Right. And I think it's different for men. I don't know what it's like for women. I, we'd have to ask a lady yet, you know what I'm saying? Bring her on sure. the show and talk to her. But I would say for men, the one thing I've learned and I'm listening to, uh, right now, I'm listening to Will Smith's uh, book. If you guys mm. are not at man, we could have a whole field day about the stuff that he brings up in that book. But one thing he talks about is the day he heard his first song on the radio and it wasn't about the other people. It wasn't about the fans. You know what it was about? It was about him proving himself right. And the first time I collected a check from my side business, mm. I was proving myself right. Yeah. That gave me all the confidence I needed in the world. The first I, time. That, the just first, the first time. check. And so that right there just, man, it spun up so much. I, I want to, I got to jump in right now because you, when you mentioned you lost, what, between 60 and 70 pounds on your weight loss journey. I want to talk about what triggered that for you because my story is I went from 286 to 206. I'm hanging around 226 right now, so I got some work to do to get back gotcha. down. But I had one of those moments where I literally went to the doctor's office and they asked me, did I drive there? Right? Cuz cuz I shouldn't I shouldn't have been mm. driving. I was I was on my way to a um to a diabetic coma. My 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 blood sugar was 500 and some change. My A1C was 18. I was I was potentially on my way to a worse state. And yes, sir. the only reason I went is because my mother made the doctor's appointment for me. And I'm mm. at that time, I'm 39. Right. Mm. But still just self-diagnosed, taking all of these uh, these supplements because I think I know what's going on with me. Yep. I didn't want to go to the doctor. And that aha moment, I walked out of that office with them telling me that I'm going to be on medicine for the rest of my life. I said, is it, is it, can it be controlled between diet and exercise? They said, yeah, but mo can it be controlled with diet and exercise? Just answer the mm -hmm. question. And they said, yes, they gave me insulin that day, prescribed me with some pills. And in a year I was, I was off because I was in control of it with diet and exercise. So what was, what was, what was your story that triggered 
that was it the asthma attack or was there was there more to it that triggered that 60 to 70 pound weight loss journey um it was the asthma attack but here's the funny part so let me let me give everybody some context mm, we love that here in 2016 is when i had the asthma attack from doing something so routine that everybody does i took a nap after cleaning up my house mm. here's the problem i used bleach pine saw fabuloso some comment the stuff that everybody use every day yeah. right what i didn't realize is that's a powder keg for somebody with upper respiratory problems gotcha. like i grew up with a grandmother who poured a cap full of bleach in the hot water when we was cleaning the dishes at the house yeah, right like for so sure. it's not the problem is is that our habits always lead us towards uh pleasure or pain and a lot of times, many of us just got comfortable in pain. We get cut like there's a lot of people who are comfortable suffering. Oh, so oh, to oh, your oh, point, oh, 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 oh. oh, yeah, we are comfortable. I'm processing it. And yes, we're comfortable with yes. suffering a lot of times. So think yeah. about it. That wasn't probably the first time that your A1C level was that high and that your, you know what I'm saying? Your blood yeah. pressure was that crazy. Yeah, that yeah, probably yeah. wasn't the first time. But we get so used to tolerating and suffering pain mm. that a lot of times we're, we're reactive in life, right? Sure. We wait until something happens and then we, now I'm Google machine and I'm I'm an expert. Nah. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> it actually works the other way around. Proactive people yeah. figure out early what they need to do. And you know what they choose? They choose the harder, better thing for a long-term, better life. The harder, better thing that makes. A lot That's of the reason sense. why some communities you will still see at 85 years old, they're still getting up at 6 a.m. and walking two miles every day, upright, no issues, and enjoying their life. And then there's some of yeah. us yeah. who, unfortunately, the older we get, the worse off we are. Habits control. So yeah. you know, I remember Dion Cole made a <laughs> joke in, in one of his comedy standups. He's like, "Look, you already know what steak tastes like. Stop eating that. You know what it tastes like. You don't have to have it every day." True. Right. And I True. think it's just this understanding <laughs> that like we mo many of us, if most people grew up like me, you know, I grew up youngest of six boys in the house. No, no girls. My mama worked nine to five, six to 11. So she did the best mm. she could. So what I learned was through my, my wellness journey, I was used to eating for survival, but I was still doing it as an adult, mm. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I got up to almost 250. Mm traveling working doing all this other stuff and then my um one day i just got sick of the way i looked at it. like i got a picture of our wedding day and my suit ain't tight because it's fitted it's tight because it's tight cringe <laughs> super cringe and my suit was baggy so, mine was baggy tight it was oh, a baggy man. suit but it was tight <laughs> so yeah it was it was tight and i remember looking at it and i was like man i don't like the way i look yeah but i i did something most people wouldn't do i canceled our wide membership I've done I was too. Just like, look, let's yeah. be real. We ain't going. Yeah. yeah. We spending money on something that we rarely use. Right. And I remember my sister-in-law happened to be connected to a guy who uh, was a personal trainer in my area. Okay. And I was like, I ain't never thought about having a personal trainer. And I'm like, but that's expensive. And see, that's the problem. Our first problem is anything that's good for us, we automatically start counting the cost, cost. instead of start thinking about counting the cost of not doing it. Right. That's our problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went and met with him and he was, I, I will tell you this. I, I honestly believe between me making changes in my diet and choosing him, 
Mm-hmm. I guarantee you he's the reason I'm still alive today. Gotcha. No, gotcha. No other, no other reason. Gotcha. So you, you introduce a bit of your history, um, how you grew up, six boys. Where do you fit in the pecking order of the six? I'm the youngest. Ooh, how did that feel? So I'm the youngest, but only the youngest of two. And my older sibling is a, is is my sister. Mm-hmm. So different dynamics. How did, how did you fare being the last of six boys? What was that like? Um, Being the last gave me a chance to watch all of the wrong things before it was my time to step to the plate in life. Mm. That's that's the best way to describe it. What's what's the age? Can you what's, what's the age difference? All the oh way man! So uh, my the brother next to me passed away back in '99, oh, uh, so he would have been two years older than me. So I'm 39 now. Okay. So then I've got like it. We're like all stair stepping after that, and then my okay. oldest brother is uh, uh, seven years older than me. Because okay. we grew up in a blended family. Okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah, my oldest brother is seven years older than me. So, my birthday's in January. His birthday is the 31st. I got yeah. another brother, the 14th. Um, so, and then we're kind of all spread out after that. But yeah, man, um, it just taught me a lot. Like, I, I, I'm i observant by nature because of growing up that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you mentioned your mom was a hard worker, double time, overtime, two jobs, three jobs. It sounded like what, what was their father influence at? at any stage growing up there was but it wasn't it wasn't the version that should have been it was the version that we you grew up around right so you know my mother my mother ended up um remarrying when i was about 13 14 Mm -hmm. and good guy he played at the church, you know, piano player, all these other things. But the one thing that most people don't realize is, well, I think we realize that I think sometimes we just, we don't like to open that wound, I think, to help people really heal. Because we don't ever stop to think about what is the long-term impact that the way you come into a situation in a blended family yeah. and your baggage that you bring yeah. into that family, yeah, right? Because my mother was the version of always trying to be the protector, but she had to work nine to five, six to 11. So nope, she never came to a game, never came to a basketball game, never came to a track meet, never, right? My mother just couldn't do it. Not that she didn't want to, she just couldn't do it. Right. The the thing that I think that sometimes we, we don't think about, or at least put at least some strategic thought into is just being honest with ourselves to say, hey, I'm showing up in this relationship, but I need to also work on me, right? Because yeah. I need to make sure that my kids see me growing, not trying to just be this dominant whatever yeah. in the house, right? And so he and I never really had a the best relationship. But mm-hmm. when you're young and you and your parents' house, you just, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So was there, what was the blend, if you don't mind me asking, when, when they came together, what was it before and then after they came together? I guess, what did he bring to the relationship in terms of children? Yeah, so he brought my other uh, uh, four brothers. Okay. Um, Before, nice guy, you'd see him, you know, connect. Him and my mom started dating for a little while, and then, you know, they decided, hey, you know, we're going to get together and and make this work. Yeah. Well, the the, the funny part was, is our house, you know, our house just became... He brought the he brought the tornado that just never would leave, right? Wow. So my brothers was from the streets. Okay. 
Okay. My mom trying to keep us out of the streets. Right. <laughs> they no, they are the streets. Like right. branded, put a stamp on them. Like they're those guys, right? Yeah. And so, no, I wasn't necessarily influenced because by the time I got to really know them, I kind of already had my own mind. Okay. But I saw enough about what happened to them. I mean, we're talking everything from Jesus, by the time one of my brothers was 16, he probably had been, or 17, probably been to jail more than a dozen times. Wow. Unfortunately, his last time he killed a guy, got locked up and got sent away for like 13 wow. years. I mean, I, it was just, it was one thing after another, right? Yeah. And so that kind of gave me the guardedness mentally to be like, nah, I don't want that life. Yeah. But then it was like, well, what life do I want? Because we live in the hood. Right, right, right. Did, did <laughs> right? you did you say where you live? Because I, I might have missed it. What, what Gainesville, going... Florida. Okay, yeah. Gators, right? Florida Gators. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So, so I mean, kind of paint a picture about. Um, I don't know much about Gainesville. I can't even reference a movie that would tell me what to think about Gainesville. Yeah, paint paint the picture of what that environment. You stepped out of your door. What slaps you in the face? Yeah. So, um, at that time, on the south side of Gainesville, there's basically one street, University Avenue, that basically cuts across the whole city. Okay. On the south side, when you get past, uh, uh, you know, uh, all of the nice stuff downtown, yeah, you get into the heart of the hood. Okay. Uh, you get into um, shootouts. You get into, wow. I mean, back at that point, you know, everything from nino brown to you yeah. name it right was happening yeah but my mother did a really good job of like and it's crazy when you grow up you don't realize just how much your mama was protecting you from stuff until you get older and you like sure your life was crazy right like you don't know it until you kind of if you, well let's put it this way you don't know it unless you can actually get away from it a lot of people yeah, don't yeah, ever yeah. get away from it yeah yeah I, I i will beg to differ that many people just move from hood to hood to hood to hood all through their life that that's that comfort in what did you say earlier? The comfort in, in uh, we get comfortable in suffering. It's suffering, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just do right, and yeah. so we we stick around what's familiar, while scoffing at what's actually better for us, right? I, I love so that you word. know, so Gainesville was split, right? If you lived on the South Side, um, there was I went to East Side High School, uh, fair for high East school. Side. I went, yeah, the fair <laughs> East Side. I know, right? Like, and we sung that song all the time. Uh, Eastside High School, Gold Rams, uh, Winter Middle School, Lincoln Middle School, elementary school with Stephen Foster Elementary. Um, you know, but that side of town is just difficult. Hmm. Um, the north side of town, nice area. Cosby's, right? Like, gotcha. <laughs> great living. You know, if you on the north side of town in Gainesville, you know, things were good back then, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, you're on your way up, right? Um, but, you know, on our side, I mean, everything from you know kids dying you know after school in a fight to you know gun toting to you know cars being broken teachers cars being broken into and yeah. get beat up by the same kids who broke into their car i mean it is nuts out there right wow but we just think you know when you grow up in it you're like well that's just what happened today right yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't necessarily think about oh good lord that's like that could happen to me right or that could happen you know, uh, turf wars. I'm sure you know about that, sure. right? Like we, this is our neighborhood over here, but them boys across the street, you know, that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, nobody, well, I won't say nobody. I would say about 80% of the people that I went to school with that are men are either dead or in jail. 80%. At least 80%. Wow. 
Because wow. I have literally gone through, I did an exercise with a buddy of mine I went to high school with one time and we were going through the yearbook and yeah. like, where is he? Where is he? Where is wow. he? Where is he? What is she doing? What are yeah. they doing? What? It, and it was like, man. And it's sad because it's like, when you don't have anything else to look forward to, like I, I will say, I didn't think I, I didn't think past 21. Wow. I just thought, oh, let's graduate from high school. All right, well, you know, I'm living here. And the only thing that saved me was my brother died in 99. Mm. He died in a car crash. Wow. So 99, 98 to 99 was a tough year. Uh, brother goes to prison. My uh, Another brother dies in a car crash um, with, a be- with a best friend of mine who were in the same car. He had a, back then it was a Kia Sophia, got hit head on by a truck. Wow. Yeah, he was a daredevil trying to get around a, a car speeding oh. on a two-lane road and the truck met him and but my my friend lived and he didn't so whoa, whoa, that was that whoa, story whoa, whoa. Can, can can we tap into that yeah just a little bit the friend lived and your brother died yeah he didn't my friend was in the passenger seat and the way he tells the story is and this was crazy i was actually supposed to be in the car so my brother was older he had already you know um gotten his, he was getting his G, he had gotten his GED. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a car, had a job. He was going to take me to school that day. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Cause, and he told me, he was like, yo, I can take you, but I'm headed down to such and such. But I knew my brother, my brother was one of those. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what I'm taking you, but I got other plans. Right. Yeah. So I was like, nah, it's all good. I'll, I'll walk today. So go to school. I had a track meet that day. And the way my, my boy tells it is, they were headed to see his girlfriend in the back of the country. Yeah. Uh, and it's a two lane road. Well, there was a car, I guess, moving too slow for him. He tries to go around. That car also starts speeding up. There was a semi truck coming along. They hit head on. Does um... So my uh, my boy, I remember. So by the time I got the phone call, of course, this is back in the day. We ain't got cell phones. We ain't right. got no email. This is, you got to wait till somebody finds out about something. Right? Yeah. So I think I was I was on my way. No, I was at on my way to track practice. I was leaving practice and I got we had beepers. Mine was purple. Mine was blue. <laughs> so so uh, I got a page from my mother. I call her from the corner store. Go pick her up. We run to the hospital. And I think he lived about a week. My homeboy was actually in a coma for three weeks. So by the time he woke up, my brother was gone. How, how did, did did survivors remorse set in? For you heavy because you oof. can heavy you, not can even for me. survivors were more set in for my boy right 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 so definitely gonna ask about him years wow he had kept for years because he was like how in the world and the crazy thing was every bone in my brother's body was broken oof. and my friend a broken leg that eventually healed wow it's crazy did but, you did you ever, was there any, was there ever any static to put it lightly between you and your friend where you thought, nah. okay. It, it, I think it, what it did was he kind of pushed away at that time because he just didn't know what, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what to say or feel. Yeah. The other crazy part was after that happened, my mother decided we got to get out of here. Cause she was like, I'm not going to lose more of my children. So we end up moving to Atlanta, Georgia. Gotcha. So that distance along with how he felt is the reason why we didn't chat. Okay. What's crazy, we didn't talk until literally three years ago. 
he reached out to wow. me and told me he had actually moved to Charlotte. Wow. So, wow. you know, 99 until what, 2018. It's kind of crazy, but. Yeah, that's a lot. I want I want to take a quick pause right here. We're going to hear from a sponsor. We're going to pick right back up with uh, your, your teen years and moving to adulthood. We'll be right back. What's good, fam? I know you're enjoying the episode, but I am excited to share with you today a brand new sponsor to the DSP family. Tate Wellum, T-A-T-E-W-H-A-L-U-N, Tate Wellum. High fashion accessories, watches. I mean, the timepieces are exquisite. If I do say so myself, I prefer the executive collection. There are several to choose from. What I need you to do is head over to their website, T-A-T-E-W-H-A-L-U-N.com. When you get to check out after you fill your basket with all the things that I know you're going to find there, use the code the DSP, T-H-E-D-S-P for 20% off. They'll know that I sent you Tate Welling, black owned, responsibly managed, new sponsor to the podcast. I look forward to the continuing partnership. God bless. Back to the show. All right, we're 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 back. We're going to pick up where uh, a little a little bit beyond where we left off. And kind of jump ahead into your your teen years. What was it like post graduated from high school? Did you go to college? What was that path? What was that journey like? Yeah, we moved uh, to Atlanta in the middle of my junior year after my brother passed away. So my brother passed away August of ninety nine. Yeah. Um, we literally packed up probably a month later. Next thing I know, I'm popping up. <laughs> we did it all in a weekend. I'm mm. popping up at Riverdale High School in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, don't know nobody, right? Totally ripped from all comfort and everything, anything that I knew, right? Yeah. Had no familiar grounds. And what was cool about moving to Atlanta was uh, I had my welcome to Atlanta moment. I'll tell what that was in a minute, but uh, <laughs> okay. I, 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 we moved to Atlanta and I got to see a, I, I never saw black people the way I did until I got to Atlanta. Okay. I, I'll explain. I It wasn't until I got to Atlanta and got to college that I met a black person who looked like me that was from overseas that didn't speak English. Got it. It wasn't until I got to Atlanta that I met a real Bill Cosby. <laughs> gotcha. That I met, that I saw the amount of black people yeah. who actually have money. Affluence. Yeah. Right. Like it wasn't like a, oh, we just stunting. No, we actually have money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I never saw that until I got to Atlanta. Right. I grew up in my little, you know, my little corner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Didn't really know that that was for real thing. So Atlanta opened my eyes to possibilities or my brain really. Cause gotcha. I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Yeah. So my welcome to Atlanta story is we move in. I start, we move it over a weekend, start school on a Tuesday. I keep hearing about this awesome basketball place because I okay. played basketball and ran track. I keep hearing about like this. I mean, it's hot. And they're like, yo, it's around the corner. Some little spot called run and shoot. Okay. And everybody keeps talking about this place. Now, for those AT aliens who know about run and shoot, run and shoot was the hotbed of playing ball because you might remember back one back in the day with the and one mixtapes yeah, yeah, and hot sure. sauce and yeah. white chocolate. And all. This is where they were playing. Gotcha. Right. So I keep hearing about this place and it's around the corner for where I live. I'm like, yo, let's go. 
I had never been to a place where you could play ball all night long. I never saw, and I'm talking about people who are hoopers, like, like they ain't never going to the NBA, but they will be on a court for three hours straight and whoop yeah. every team out there, right? Like, yeah, yeah. just incredible athletic ability, right? And so we go in there, me, it's me, my brother, my cousin, because they came up for the weekend to help us finish the movie. So I had a, I had a box Chevy, I'll never forget this. I had a great box Chevy that I brought over with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, box Chevys were big at that time. And, and so, uh, uh, what is it? I had a 10 disc CD change in the back, mm. 12s. I'm, I'm, I'm the man walking, coming to mm. Atlanta, right? What's funny is, so we go play ball that night. We don't walk out to about two, three in the morning. We like, man, this is great. I can't believe I live around the corner from something like this. Walk outside on this good, nice night. I'm like, man, I can't wait to do this tomorrow. Look around the parking lot and I'm like, no, that park. Oh, yeah, no, no, maybe, maybe it's on the other side. So we walk through the parking lot. I walk to the other aisle. I'm like, nah, we, can we park right here? Because I remember we looked at the door. That was my welcome to Atlanta moment. Oh, let me they get that. They took the whip, found it a week later on bricks on Camelon Road. Like it was, yeah. it was, that was my welcome to Atlanta moment. So uh, first, first night of doing that, like it was, it was crazy. Then I was like, oh yeah, you, you know, they, they, they take cars right here. Box Chevys is kind of a big deal. So how how did you get the welcome to Atlanta? You know, be safe, be safe. Uh, <laughs> but how did you adjust otherwise? You know, you were dealing with a lot of trauma. You you were moving from an environment with a lot of memories. Like how did what was the process of actually acclimating in Atlanta? Um, my senior year helped my my summer helped me out with that a lot. I got a job working at the AMC movie theater, and back then the AMC movie theater that I was in that I went to all the stars would pop up. I mm. mean, Outkast. I mean, Jazzy Faye. Like it was, you would just, people would be outside singing cause they just was hoping to get discovered. Mm. Like, I mean, it was the craziest stuff ever. And so I, I that job kind of helped me out cause I would just meet a lot of different people. Okay. And then coming into my senior year, it was just, I was, you know, big into the sports. Yeah. Um, got to know a lot of people in the neighborhood, um, you know, but but leaving Gainesville and going into Atlanta, I didn't have time to want to go back, basically. The cool part was I didn't want to go back. It was right. like the best blessing on the planet because I didn't know what was going to happen. I remember uh, uh, a gentleman that a uh, great be- uh, football player in our area got a chance to go to University of South Florida. He got out of the hood. This boy was going to be a top pick when it came to NFL football. And he made a a decision that I talk about a lot with people where he wanted to get back to his comfort zone and be the man. And what my wife likes to call it is you want to be the, you want to be on top of the bottom. On top of the bottom. You you want to be the top of the bottom. So you the man in college, you want to show up. And back then you remember we were wearing goals and hair bone chains. Right. And so, he went back home to our hood. Well, not only did they take his chains and his gold teeth, they took his life. Wow. And so I remember hearing about that through, through some friends of mine, and I'm just like, well, what's the point in me going back? Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I didn't grow up in the best of environments, so what is like, what would I go see? Right? right. What would be the point? I haven't been back to this day. Really? 
So what is there to see? You know, so in Gaines, my mind, right? so Gainesville period or your specific area where you grew up? Specific area where I grew up, and I think okay. I've gone through I've gone through Gainesville maybe twice since then. One, my grandfather passed away, mm. and we swung by to go see my aunt uh, at at the time, and then my grandmother passed away. Mm. So I would say that was it. Like yeah. I, you know, no reasons to go back. And and for some people, they want to go back again because they like the nostalgia. I always I look at it like this: if you grew up in an environment of survival, you don't need to get the appetite of survival back in your taste buds. I agree. I don't think you need it. I agree. Um, you need to be. You need to do as much as you can so that you don't live out of survival. Yeah. Right? So so you you tra- you you're making a transition. You had a good jo- the the job to help. It's clear that you don't want to go back, so you're not fighting any of that. At what point? Well, let, let me let's, let's continue down the path. Where where did the guidance come from as you're transitioning into manhood? Right, you're in a new area. Uh, sounds like your cousins were within driving distance. You had uh, the, the rest of your brothers, correct? What where, where did? No, they were all gone. So my mother. So um, oh yeah. So my my old my cousins my brothers were older at that time. Oh, so okay. I got my oldest brother was in okay. college. Uh, two of them were in and out of jail, so they stayed okay. down in Florida. And unfortunately, they were in such a bad state they couldn't even leave the state. It was that it was that nuts. Got it. So it was me, my older brother, and uh, my mom and my stepfather. My stepfather ended up getting a job at a local church from a good friend of his. That that's okay. how we ended up going up there. My mother ended up getting a job working accounts payable for a law firm, and so we were, you know, we and we had an apartment. So, you know, Making we were, it. we were living. Yeah. But what, what was the navigation process? Like as you, as you're starting to find your way, uh, into adulthood, um, did you go to college? Did you like, what, what was, what were those next steps like for you? And what I want to get to is where the lack of that guidance from a father throughout your life starts to impact. If at all, hmm. right? Because some, you know, some, yeah. some, some it fuels, some it frustrates. But at what point was there an aha moment? Like, this is different. I really, I'm yearning for that 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 father relationship. If it ever, if if you ever came to that point. Yeah. So um, I ended up looking at different colleges. What was crazy was I had a teacher, my math teacher, she opened my mind up to be like, Hey, you don't have to just stick around here. There's a lot of opportunities to go to college in different places. Mm-hmm. My childhood school was UConn. Okay. Um, you know, and had opportunity to go, but I ended up staying local. Uh, so I went to Morris Brown college. Okay. So in Atlanta university center, Morehouse, Spelman, yep. Yep. Uh, Clark, Atlanta and, and, and Morris Brown. Right. So I went mm-hmm. there and that was the best thing I think for me coming from where I came from. Yeah. Again, because it was culture mm-hmm. shock, but in a good way. Like I said, first time I meet black people that can't speak English. Yeah. I'm yeah, meeting yeah. black people from all over the world that come to the AUC. We ain't just talking like, oh, they from down the street or from New York or in California. Do you have that? Yes. But you're talking about all over the world. Yeah. Like so, one area. It is it's an amazing experience. So I, I was in my, as you were saying that staying local was the best decision for you. I was looking at myself and I stayed local, too. The decisions were the decisions. You can only make one at a time. I, I don't I don't regret anything. I wanted to go to Morehouse, but 
I was nervous to leave home and go too far. So I went down the street from my house, stayed on campus and the environment that I needed to get away from would come to the campus because mm-hmm. some, some of them weren't doing anything, but for you, yeah, processing it, like this was still new to you. Like this was mm-hmm. still a new environment to you. So it was local, but it was away from. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was. And, and yes, as most people know, historically black colleges and universities are right in the hood. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but the learning, I think in the, in the experience, um, was exactly what I needed. Okay. Right. I, I think the key was like, it's like looking at a prism in the sun. You mm. see so many different colors if you hold it right. Yeah. I needed to see other black people who looked like me, who had different interests in the different things, uh, achieving different stuff, yeah. you know, some great, some crazy, right? Like, yeah. but I needed to see the diversity within what I would consider myself, right? Like there's so many different paths that I could take Right now that I am open to, oh, this is really possible. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so what, so what did, what did it do for you? Right. You needed it. What benefit did it yield? What were some of those decisions that you made based on seeing the world differently and having access to other people and information? What, what was that like once you had that aha moment? What, what, what were some of the things that, that you know you did differently because of that experience that you wouldn't have done had you not had that experience? Never wanted to leave campus. Wow. <laughs> and when I did want to leave campus, uh, we were going to music festivals because Centennial Park in Atlanta was yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy with a lot of shows just for free. Yeah. Um, people would invite me to different events in different parts of Atlanta and I would see a world that I, I mean, stuff that I never even knew existed, right? Yeah. Um, I got saved in college. Mm. And so I remember the first guy, and shout out to Darius Wise because he's another like juncture in my life. But um, and I still talk to him to this day, but uh, he was on campus at uh, and he was basically the extension to the campus ministry from our church that gotcha. was about 20, 30 minutes west of the city in uh, New Birth in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. so for me, when I met him, just the way he carried himself, you know, he was in the honors dorm, clean cut dude, like, you know, uh, you know, not not Carlton Banks, but suave, like yeah, jazzy yeah. fresh with, you know, Carlton Banks kind of, you know, just a nice dude. Right. Yeah. But he also had like this groundedness to him that I was like, it was it was it was. It was. um, It was infectious. It was like, dang, this dude seemed like he different than everybody like on this campus, you know, and then. It was my introduction to what a church could look like and what mm. it can actually do for the community gotcha. and how you can mobilize people like in a real way, because our church was 20,000 people showing up on a Sunday. Wow. I hadn't seen 40 people show up to church on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so then you move to Atlanta and you're introduced, you know, now they call it, you know, a mega church, but it was like, no, this is what it's supposed to be like, right? We're all supposed to be unified and making an effort to make a stride in your community with different things and different tentacles and different businesses. This is my first time ever seeing business yeah. because of the church. Learning that we could actually like shut down a whole campus because something wasn't right and really have the power to move policy. 
I had never seen that kind of stuff except for what Malcolm X when they showed up at the hospital and we had to get brother out, right? Yeah. I saw it in real time. That was like a great moment for me to like, oh my God, like, again, there's somebody who looks like me. Yeah. Like actually doing something. That yeah. was, I'm sorry, that was, it was impressive to me. Like really, like I was really impressed by the way certain people carried themselves. And Darius kind of, when I first met him, he embraced me. He treated me like, you know, like I was a brother of his own. He was a junior yeah. at the time. Um, and he was running, he was helping run the campus ministry. Yeah. And so it's... when I got I got saved like on a Thursday night, next thing I know, I'm being hoisted to this church on some church van headed to, you know, 20 minutes away to this campus. I ain't never, it was like Zamunda for church. Like it was <laughs> it was nuts, man. I'd never seen anything like that, right? So it was that was kind of my first molding of like. And again, it, it it kept me focused enough that I wasn't thinking about going back to Gainesville or thinking about going back to the hood or finding a hood. Because trust me, Atlanta got a lot of them. I I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. We um. So you, it's very interesting and timely in this conversation that you said Darius. Correct, Darius was the name, right? Mm -hmm. Had an infectious personality because that's that's how I would characterize talking to you. Right. And full disclaimer, we we haven't known each other for years. This is not That's right. <laughs> us pulling from, you know, years of, you know, having stories. But the first time that we talked, I'm like, man, this brother is this brother's up like he like and it wasn't fate. And where right. I'm going with it is what like. Recant recalling your story. You shouldn't be this way. No, like foot, foot, foot from from a normal processing perspective and i'm not trying to be negative but what what was when did you become this man um and thank you for that i will say um it really it really was a decision i made after you know further into my timeline but it was it was a time in my life where I remember I'm in, I finally in my corporate job. I'm feeling great. Mm. I'm probably making around about like $60,000 at that point. I ain't never seen that kind of money. You up. I'm <laughs> up, up, right? Um, I'm enjoying life. I'm traveling. I ain't never heard that you can actually get a corporate credit card and you, yeah. life is good, right? I'm leaving work. Well, I'm I'm leaving a meeting and going to another meeting. Find out, hey, you just got laid off. That's how what? I be. What, what that mean? Never heard of it before. What happened to me? And I never forget. Uh, this was a Thursday afternoon. By Monday morning, I'm working at a retail job making eight dollars and seventy five cents. Not so up. Nothing wrong with retail jobs. So I just yeah. want to put that out there. But and and it was a it was what 2000 right before the bubble burst in 2008. Mm. So now the burst happens and now we in crisis mode as a company and I and that's a, at the time I really wasn't understanding just why it's so important to understand what's happened economically around you. Yes. But it was happening to me. And all I and I was at the worst, probably depressed state of my life at that point, because I'm like, man, because anytime you take away a man's ability to provide, he's going to he's going to be a beast. Yep. Right. He's not he's not um 
he ain't warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you can I, take I away a man's ability yeah. to provide. I am Even not. if it's just for himself. Yeah. Right. So uh, that happened. And then there was a, um, a moment where I, I lost, you know, some friends and some relationships. And I just remember, and the way I characterize it now, I wouldn't have characterized it like that then. God just put me in a space where it was just he and I. Mm. And I and I had to deal with, well, who is actually Chris? Because you're good at chameleon. Ooh. Ooh. You're good at like fitting in. Ooh. You're good at like, you know, hey, you know how to get in there and, and make it happen. Now we don't have none of that, Chris. You coming down my street now. Go talk, talk. Who did I make you? What did I make you? Hmm. Why did I make you? And I had to get, I spent like two and a half years, man, getting comfortable with me. Hmm. Like just like who I am and not being, not being apologetic for, for, for the way I carry myself, right. Yeah. For my thought process, realizing like that, like, just like anybody else, if they open their mouth, people, you know, perk up yeah. or it causes a reaction. Well, guess what? We all got that. Some of us just don't choose to ever use our voice. Yeah. Right. And I just remember like going through a process of just like, I've been to counseling, mm. right? I've been through, I've been through it all. I've been divorced before. Like mm. I, I've been through enough that it was like, dude, if you don't love nobody else, you better learn to love you. Yeah. And so I would say around that 2008-ish time to yeah. probably 2010 was where I discovered who I was. And I just started saying, that guy is who everybody's going to see from now on. Man, I, I appreciate you sharing that in, in the transparency because that's that's a very realistic timeline. And some people, it takes longer. It, it, it It's not the same for everybody, mm -mm. but it's it's a journey, right? And, and I, I forgot who I was in conversation with before. And, 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 it, came, and it came out of me that, I just want to be happy with me, right? And I'm mm -hmm. getting to that point at 42. There's a lot of things that I did that looked like happy, looked cool when you get the job and you get the money and you're spending all of this and just taking the full inventory of myself. I believe I was depressed, but I was never, I was never diagnosed with it because I was mm -hmm. always scared of initiating the work, right? Oh yeah. Initiating Man, wow. work, and, and what I want, what I want to get from you is to, because I think it's going to give somebody hope is talk about what it feels like to come out of it. Because everybody's scared mm. of the work, but sometimes if they knew what's on the other side of it, might give them that little push to start the process. So, what was it like for you to understand, Chris? Be happy with Chris, not that it's perfect every day, but be comfortable in your skin, walking towards your purpose, if not in your purpose. What does that feel like? Um, today it feels good because when I go to bed at night, I know I told the truth to myself. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. That's today. Is that a daily like, inventory I, I for you? Yeah, yeah, I think it's important. So let's, let's, okay. So put it this way. Every night that you go to bed, the only two people that you are actually talking to before you fall asleep is you and God. True indeed. And I tell my wife this all the time. There are times in my head where I have what I call executive board meetings. But I, I want to call my wife down right now so she can hear that there's somebody at, like these are business meetings. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. having a real like, yeah, I'm like, God, OK, look, I'm suited up. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm in the best threads and I'm like, God, me and you, I, I, we got it. We got to talk. Yeah. And so I have executive board meetings with myself 
But the one thing I always say is when I go to bed at night, that I tell myself the truth and then I put the truth out there for everybody else. Mm. If I did that, I'm sleeping great. Mm. I can't, and, and the truth, and, and, and you know, a lot of people use the word truth and it's overblown. Yeah, my truth. The way I like truth. to define truth is, were you honest with yourself in what you delivered and showed other people? That's truth. Boy, right? you, you, boy, you, you stepping on some toes with this one. Because a lot of times we have a representative. We've all heard that before, right? Uh, like you present to your wife when y'all yeah. first dating your representative and then she mess around and meet the real you and she's Oof. like, hold on, these two brothers don't match up, right? Father God. And so I thank God for uh, growing up uh, or, or I will say I took God seriously when I got to college mm. and I made commitments to myself because today my wife benefits because I learned what true service was. Yes. I learned how to serve somebody so that when I am serving and I go to bed at night, no matter what the other person chooses to do, I led with a heart of service. Yeah. I don't have no problems. Yeah, man. Pass the collection plate to the left (laughs) as you drop That's just my truth, right? And so that's why I tell people like a truth ain't just some overblown word. No, it's where you honest with yourself with what you delivered and what the other people saw. As long as you were honest, that's truth. That doesn't mean you go out here and be braggadocious and whatever. What it does mean is that um, I think I think God orchestrates us like a great choir or a great band or a great orchestra. And if you doing your truth, that's your C flat. And I'm over here on on the B minus and this person, well then when we all telling our truth, it sounds so awesome. Paint that picture. It shares, it creates to other people who typically aren't telling the truth. Like, I want to be like that. Yeah. Dang, I wish I could be honest. Yeah. Man, I wish I could be like Derek and, and, and share what, man, and they start seeking and craving because it's the truth. Yeah. Ain't nobody, listen, this thing here, with all of the people, you know, posting a 15 second clip next to a car that ain't theirs <laughs> or or the one time they got to see some star yeah. that ain't they regular everyday life. Yeah. yeah. What we got to get comfortable with is who we are and the actual life that you are living today, because your life is hope to somebody else. So let's 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 uh, let's bring your family today's family into the picture because you mentioned your wife and I was so going there when you were talking about coming out on the other side and being honest with yourself and how that helps you to show up for your wife and your family. Talk about your family, man. What does your family mean to you? So my wife, Dr. Tamara, is uh, another big anchor. Yeah, she's a big anchor in my life. I've known my wife for probably a better half of 10 years of my life. Gotcha. Um, we, we, we've danced around each other's lives. Right. And, and then it was like, I don't know why in the world, like today we're, we're always going, why in the world we didn't get together earlier? Like what? Well, it wasn't thinking? time. Don't, it let wasn't that go. Time. Yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the time we destroyed each other actually. Hmm. Like real talk. We destroyed each other. So, um, my sons, Joshua, Josiah, uh, one about to graduate high school as a senior this year. Uh, he's at a military school doing well. Mm. Uh, my youngest, the junior, is right behind him. Uh, they're both doing well. 
and we have a blended family. So right. uh, I don't have any kids of my own. I, I, I inherited my two boys. I always tell people like, I don't, we don't live the world of stepdad and all. Oh, I don't believe in that. I'm so glad um, you said that. I love, I bought a cup or no, actually my sister-in-law, oh, I can't remember who bought me that cup. Uh, it says, I'm not the, I'm not the stepdad. I'm the dad who stepped up. Ooh. And Ooh. so I truly believe in that. Um, I truly believe in that. And then the other hard part, and you, you, if you want to know more about this, we can talk yeah, about yeah. it later. But the other hard part was, well, what do I do with the relationship of their actual father? Yeah. Yeah. And so I made it a point upon myself to make sure that he and I have a great relationship, which we do to this day. Yeah. And you know what? I, I Not that I've studied everybody. So I have, I have a blended family as well. My oldest daughter uh, is not my biological, but she's my first and will always be my first. And then my mm -hmm. second daughter is my first because she was my first by me. Right. So I got two first. And I had the same approach after some maturing, right? Cause I was very young. He was very young. We were all very young. And the problem wasn't jealousy or anything like they couldn't communicate. My wife and the, the father of our mm -hmm. oldest had a problem communicating and him and I were dancing around some drama that was about to ensue. And we chose mm -hmm. to be men, right. And had, and, mm -hmm. and had a conversation. He said, man, I just, we, we just, we don't communicate well. And it was, can I talk to you? Can I talk to her through you? It's like, yes. But what you can't do is keep upsetting my house because you being upset with her upsets the house. It's personal then. It, 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 and it's not tough guy. My house can't be upset, bro. That's and then right. we had that conversation understood. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad it, it you know it it seems to be an amicable relationship, but I'm sorry, go go continue. No, uh the truth is. Um, whether it's a man to a woman, two men trying to amicably raise, you know, children. Yeah. The problem is this. Um, and I, I did a post about this. Um, hurt is just the wound that we never let heal. Mm. So the issue is that there's, there's journeys going on, right? Just like yeah. in your household is mine. Yeah, yeah. There's my wife's having a personal journey of maturation. I'm having a personal journey of maturation. Right. We together are having a maturation journey right and then we have a journey she has her own experience with her baby father yeah and i have my own experience with him right so it's all of us trying to um i saw the greatest quote uh before about um one day our kids will understand that we were learning just as they were growing yeah, up yeah 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 yep. <laughs> right so yeah so there's a learning process that everybody's having right yeah. my my wife and her baby father did not get along right let's just be very very clear yeah because he did not do what he was supposed to do yeah. that's why she left she had legitimate reasons and i'm a dude and i'm like yeah that's all ratchet <laughs> um but when i showed up so give you kind of context on my crib i met my wife at the top of her game got it financially yeah and in life yeah. okay i want to be very very clear yeah. <laughs> my wife been getting to the bag so All i right. struggled because men have egos ladies mm. we have egos and sometimes we we got these harebrained ideas about how our ego should be handled yeah <laughs> Well, let's just be real. My wife didn't leave me financially because she was making way more money than I ever thought. Yeah. Secondly, my wife had a lifestyle 
that I never even dreamed of. Thirdly, she was a single mama doing what she wanted to do for the last 10 years. So Chris ain't even necessary. And here comes you. Fourth question is this, where does my ego fit into all this? <laughs> right? Gainesville. She don't need me. Yeah. Gainesville. That's where your ego belongs. <laughs> That's where my ego belongs, right? <laughs> my wife exposed me to some stuff about life and what was possible that I was just like, there's no way people live like this. And it was like, yeah, actually they do. Wow. Right. My wife is just not the kind of person that's just out here. She's not braggadocious. She ain't. But my wife lives. She lived the life that she built for her children. That was number one. Wow. Un numero uno. Yeah. My wife is short. But when it comes to life, she's incredible <laughs> Hulk and about eight twelve. All right. So what I had to learn to do was figure out how do I how do I come into this world? Yeah. And be a value. Oof. Which was hard because she got it. Yeah. She don't need me. No dependence. None whatsoever. Yeah. And 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 by the way, had dudes hurling around the nest for sure. That could outrun circles around me financially. So it was like, where Yeesh. am I gonna fit into this? And here's the one thing that I learned, and I will say, yes, I won. Uh Talk that. Yes, I, I am. I'm forever that guy. I hold the belt. I hold the title. Talk that talk. <laughs> of a winner of heart. But here's I used what I knew. Mm. The only thing I knew was her life is busy, it's chaotic, because she's running a full-time business. She's got two boys. Um, and she's on the go. Yeah. She only had time to date. So you're going to have to figure out what's going to be best. And what I had to resort to was I couldn't rely on my ego. I couldn't try to impress her because you ain't impressing this kind of woman. Right. I did something so simple one time and it it, it caught her attention. Mm. Uh, if, if you've never read the book, Five Love Languages. Yeah. And if Gary you Chapman. want some help in your relationships, let me tell you now, figure out the love language of that individual. Yes. And then decide if that's what you want to serve. Because it's a yeah. decision once you learn something. You can, can choose to or not to. Can I and add their something? highest love language could be your lowest. That means you got some work to do. Let me add something. After you do that, continue to do that because people change. Who you they were change. when you got married 15 years ago shouldn't be who you are now. Mm -mm. We went through Facts. that exercise late last year. Go ahead. Facts. So, so what I did was I said, I know how to serve. Mm. That I know how to do. I, I know how to serve people because I learned it. I was groomed in it in the church. I yeah. get it. Like I understand what God means about having a servant heart. I don't mind that. It doesn't mean you treat like people treat you and walk all over you. It yeah. just means you show people a side that honestly, most people ain't willing to do because most people just ain't willing to be vulnerable. True. Here's what I did. Just, I'm not kidding you. You ask her. One day I said, hey, I tell you what. Uh, I'm leaving the office. I'm headed home. Why don't I come pick up the kids from practice and save yourself some time and you can get home and get dinner done? That's cool. That right there spoke to her love language because her love language was acts of service. Yeah. Yep. She don't want you buying this and trying to brother pick up these kids <laughs> right, <laughs> wash right. a dish right, right. Like, yeah. like help me out help. right like yeah help that's her love language yeah. though right yeah so that simple act of saving her time yeah meant more to her than anything i was dancing around trying to do right yeah. it was like oh and that's when she saw me 
Yeah. And the way I always explain my wife is my wife is a tornado, a violent one, mm. meaning she got a lot going on. It's busy. Mm. You got to figure out how to get in the eye of the storm. That's what it's called. And if you can get in the eye of the storm with her and help manage some of that, because it's not like she going to stop for you. Yeah. She she busy. She owns a business. She has things to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got to figure out how to help her manage the life and what's going on. Yeah. That spoke to my wife's heart more than anything I could ever buy. You help some people. I hope so. You've helped some you. Yeah. Yeah. Me included. But you you definitely helped some people. Uh, definitely want to be respectful of time. It, it like it, it, it's never enough time. And yes, I'm going to say it every episode. There's never enough time. But I do, I do want to ask a question that might be a bit invasive because um, you are a father through, uh, through um, coming to your, into your, to your wife's life. Mm -hmm. Does your current family situation complete you as a father? Do you feel complete as a father? I do now. Okay. I still, I, like I yearn for a little girl. I still mm. have like that, that rumbling of like, man, cause I'm, I've been around boys all my life. That's true. Smelly ogres is easy. That's the truth. <laughs> I get that part. But like, like, and it's crazy because like my friends who do have girls, like they fall in love with me and I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm a sucker. And my wife is like, I'm so glad you don't have one. Cause we would be yes. flat broke around here with you. It's no hope. <laughs> I got three girls. Two boys with three girls, and I had, the two girls came first, and they just, they just oh man, oh super, yeah, and they know they first sucker. too. Super sucker mode all day. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, man, it's been a um, man, it's been it's been more than a pleasure. It's been enlightening. I appreciate your 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 transparency. I appreciate your spirit, man. You were speaking into people, self included, uh, throughout this conversation. You got to come back somehow, some way. Listen, we got to figure it anytime. out. Um, uh, I got a panel idea. Where I don't want to call it a panel, but I got a, I guess lack of a better term, a, a panel idea, but not just like the typical panel discussion. Uh, I want to do okay. something interactive, but we got to be in the same place. I'm tired of these, man. I'm, I got, yeah, I'm going to start, yeah. so when the world opens up, I'm going to start traveling. Definitely Absolutely. Come out to Charlotte and see what's popping there. Uh, but let the people know what you got going on. You did introduce your podcast early on. Let's remind them of all the things and tell them how they can get in contact with you and keep getting some more of this game. Oh, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so the World According to Chris podcast, TWAC uh, podcast, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or you can just go to my website, TWAC.live. All of my content is there, my YouTube channel information, all of that stuff is there. If you want to find me on IG, it's very simple. The Christopher Williams. Uh, I made it real easy uh, not to be confused with the singer because I'm not light skinned and I don't have that money. Uh, ask, how is that but, still available? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can find me there. And just, uh, you know, with the podcast, like I said, man, for people who are corporate professionals who are busy, who are, you know, you, maybe you've been eyeing starting a side business because you realize that. You know, that business and or that job that you're working is it paying you, but it ain't enough. And a lot of times ain't enough ain't about finances. Sometimes you just feel unfulfilled, right? Sometimes you got the role and it still ain't it. Or you've always wanted to be able to have a little bit more. One of the things I, I teach in a uh, in a, a workshop that I'm building right now, I'll give some of that free game right now. Mm. But uh, I'm talking about um, the law of distraction. 
Mm. Right. And uh, most people don't realize that if you looked at your, you know, if you only have one source of income, you're setting yourself up for failure. I'm yeah. telling you that right now. Yeah. Uh, take it from a guy who's been through like two layoffs, who's seen families fall apart because we were all dependent on one source of income. And most people yeah. don't realize that distraction ain't just your phone and emails and everything else. Um, a distraction is your one source of income being pulled on 27 different directions. Ooh. Phone, lights, cable, mortgage, Ooh. rent, IRA, savings, Ooh. whatever, right? And it's a distraction and most people don't know this. So let me share it is most people don't know the origin of the word distraction. The French coined the word distraction. Okay. Distraction actually started as the word quartering. Quartering came from back in the medieval days when you would have a punishment. They would put somebody on a large cinder block. And the punishment was all the limbs, both of your arms and your legs mm. would be tied to a horse yeah and when they would say go the horses would run in different directions yeah now yeah. as barbaric as that sounds that's what it was Yeesh. but don't you feel the same way with your one source Ooh. of income well you gonna get so off I my teach street people the migration mentally to starting a side business because it's a mental game just as much as it is like the building blocks and the physical tools yeah but it's just helping people man like i'm trying to help you know people really understand that's a journey like it's yeah. not just, oh, I'm gonna jump out here and start this new, on this trend. Trends go and come, man. If you really wanna understand how to build, like I share my stories, I share yeah. my ups, my downs. Uh, I just dropped an interview today. We did with a, a beautiful young lady named Alex out in Texas where she uh, shares her story. Leaving mm -hmm. her, corp uh, going from a corporate job and building a side business on the side to now she's running full time. But we just, man, we I just wanna, I just wanna help people, man. Whether, whether people wanna learn some motivation or they just want to be able to hear like, oh, how some people are doing it, man. That's that's what it's about, man. Yeah, more of us need to show more of us how it works. Um, thank you again, brother. Let me address uh, my my community. If you're on the audio experience, whatever platform you're you're listening to this on, please make sure that you're following. Make sure that you rate. If you're on YouTube, where well, you should go after you listen to the audio, because the second time you really get it, once they start looking at the facial expressions and all of that. First of all, what's up? Thank you. Make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure you hit the notification bell so that you're aware of when we're dropping content. Now, something that I am terrible at is letting you know that I have stuff. Go to my website, thedearsonpodcast.com. I have stuff. I have shirts. Some people say they want to support. A lot of people are supporting. I got to do better at promoting me. Um, I am not going to push this out any further. We will have Mr. Chris Williams, not the singer back at some point, but uh, for now, I appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace. The Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time.
save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money. 